And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous Starship captain once said, and as another famous Starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. This week, we're doing uh, we're doing something special for the holidays. Um, well, it's about we're gonna be it's yeah yeah uh, <laughs> most of them are are over with uh we've got new year's coming up but we're we're squeezing in a little bit of holiday cheer with a special live watch party of one of our favorite episodes of star trek star trek the next generation's tapestry this is season six episode 15 fire up your streaming cho- watching experience of choice and get ready for that <laughs> um yeah and you know what today ali i want to say we've got a wonderful uh lifers community who are popping in on the chat there's live chat here today's a special format we're going to do a watch along of tapestry everybody drink if you're familiar with the drinking game but you may not be familiar with the drinking game or any of this we may you may be a first timer with us today so welcome and you especially may be coming over from the virtual TrekCon 3 uh, audience. So if you're coming over from VTC3, welcome. <laughs> I promise you'll have a good time. Um, so in the comments, let us know. TNG's Tapestry, what does this episode mean to you? Um, does it mean anything? Is it just something else? Or is it like Larry and I, an episode we quote so often on this show, that it's, or maybe we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's become a little bit of a of a joke at this point how often um uh we reference tapestry but before we actually start watching it Larry I want to ask you this question um tapestry what what if anything does this episode mean to you uh I don't think I'm going to be able to hold a candle to what it means to you but <laughs> as, aside from being just a go to the the title is such an image is such a metaphor for anything that's well textured Right. There are threads in a tapestry. And the old thing about if you pull on one thread, does the whole thing collapse? Or if you pull on one thread, there's others that hold it together or, you know, nothing is monolithic. It's it's made up of many parts. And that's what tapestry means to me. But as a fan watch, I mean, watching the first time, it was a rare it was a it was a second Q show in one season, which was very rare. And at the time. Uh, and it was just a wonder. We all got it that it was a take on It's a Wonderful Life. It was the Star Trek version of that. And from the teaser, which if you haven't seen this, I don't want to spoil. Is that possible? But from the teaser through all the ramifications, uh, it, it harks back to bits of Picard's background that were planted along the way earlier. And it's even got references that come up all the time in the new series, Picard. So if you if you're coming to us only knowing the newer Trek series, you're going to see some things in Tapestry that totally flow into... Uh, the plots of the arcs of uh, the Picard first season that we just saw yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's <clears throat> there's there's a lot here to the larger tapestry of Star Trek and mm-hmm. also of uh, Picard's story. Um, we don't we get a lot of his backstory here and there in TNG, but we don't actually get to see it. Um, for most of the characters, we don't actually get to see some of their backstory. So that's unique here. I mean, what this episode for, means for me, anyone who's been watching uh, Life Support Live for a while, you've got glimpses and pieces of what this episode means to me. But at the same time, we have a lot of new folks here um, from Virtual TrekCon. Um, hi, Adam, uh, Lisa, uh, Daniel, uh, yes. J.R. Poole. Hi, new folks. Um, for you... Uh, Tapestry, it, it's probably been the most meaningful episode of Star Trek that I've 
ever seen. Um, it had the biggest impact on my life of any episode, largely because I saw it when I was, um, when I was quite young and it left a big impression on me. The, the, this idea that our setbacks are as important as our successes. And sometimes we can learn more from our failures than we can um, the things that have gone well in our lives. And that idea really resonated with me. It really helped me out as I was growing up making a ton of stupid mistakes. I never got stabbed in the back by a Nausicaan playing Dobjot. You would play Dobjot. The the other reason we mentioned that title is so you can say that line, yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorites to say, Hubot. I also just love when the aliens say human like that. Huma. <laughs> like no one can say human. Uh, how did they ever get no. space flight if they can't mock the way a native race says its own native species? <laughs> right. Well, if you're right. on lines, my this is my favorite version of when Q gets to play Oki mm. and say uh, delivery for Captain John Luke Pickard. I mean, you know. That's a great line. Um, this, uh, this is also a great Q episode. Not only is it a great Picard episode, but this is uh, such a fantastic Q episode. And besides the two of them, we don't really see many of our principles in, in this episode, which uh, makes, for, mm -hmm. makes for a lot of fun. Well, you um, see them in the alternate in the Q. You know, you see them in... Um... <laughs> I just had this flashback of when a, when a Q snaps his fingers, uh, a cadet gets his wings or something. I don't know. I just... A cadet gets his pips. Yeah, I think that's how it. I yeah, think that's yeah. how it works. Um, from from our audience over here, our community, um, we're getting some great responses here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Tapestries, treks, don't dream it, be it episode. As in the phrase from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, other folks who've been watching know that we love our musicals here. Um, Nathaniel says, letting go of regrets. Um, it, uh, a lot of folks have mentioned it's, um, it's Star Trek's It's a Wonderful Life, which is one of the reasons why we thought this might be a good one for this. Yeah, that was Larry's idea. I was saying, should we do Star Trek Generations? And Larry's like, no, we're going to do Tapestry. We're doing that. <laughs> well, A, it's an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes it, that helps. Or 45 um, minutes. But anyway, but uh, on, a, on a weekday like this. But uh, yeah. Um, Daniel says that's the this easy is, comparison. You yeah, know. Th um, this is an episode I associate with Christmas. Um, it was the first VHS I bought as a kid with my Christmas money. I also recently saw Star Trek <laughs> Six for the first time, so it was my introduction. Daniel... Uh, we're having a bit of a mind meld. Uh, mm -hmm. My introduction to Star Trek came from Star Trek VI. So I'm definitely connecting with you there. Um, mm, this explains much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we should do an episode where Larry psychoanalyzes my uh, introduction to canon here. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Any other did comments? You see, did I you see Jared's comment here at 1313 or at 13? What did Jared say? Jared says, I'm glad I called off the drinking game this week. Some people would have liver failure by now with all these tapestry references. <laughs> it's kind of a special we, case. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, a little bit of an exclusion. Um, oh, I, I, I want to do a shout out to Anne-Marie here, who's coming over from the Virtual Trek crowd and uh, Seventh Rule and all of that that team. So <laughs> anyway. Hey, Anne-Marie, welcome aboard. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got, um, yeah, as uh, just Jenna says, Tapestry has a lot of nuggets, one of my favorites. Uh, Larry, what say you? Should we uh, should we dive in? Should um, we hit it? Now, everybody yeah. got the message. This was BYOM, right? Bring your own yes. So we, we don't want to get sued by CBS. Uh, we don't want to take yeah. down requests. I am ready to go with a sick bay emergency right here. Okay, so folks, um, fire up. It's Star Trek The Next Generation Season 6, Episode 15. Episode uh, in the middle. Okay. You can watch it in America. You can watch it on Netflix or CBS All Access. You can watch it wherever else you are. If you don't have immediate access, pause. You can come back to this or just watch along. You probably know the episode. You can listen to us and probably know what we're talking about here. Um, and as always, Larry, I'm going to have you uh, count us in. Um, we're going to go three, two, one, engage. And on the engage, we're going to press play. So, Larry, count us in. All righty. 
I'll do it in English, not in Galactic Standard, not Klingon this time. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> okay, everybody. Three, two, one, engage. I wanted to have my earphone in. Larry, I love how this episode just begins in action. Oop. Yes. Oh, and there's... We're right uh, in the sick bay. We know there's an emergency. The, the action is, is, is going on. Boom. That's a little unusual, too. You usually have a softer introduction. And totally on the side, there's Ensign, there's Ensign Martinez at the back there, uh, Michael Braveheart, who is uh, actually on the side, got to go fund me for some medical issues. I want to pass that along to fandom. That's a pretty bad injury right there. That, mm-hmm. uh, it takes something looks like major he, to get blood on these Starfleet uniforms. Yeah. It, uh, it oh, compressed carry-on beams are the worst. I mean, it looks like he's got a bunch of mud on him or like a lot of ketchup. But I mean, loose carry-on beams are bad, but compressed carry-on beams. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to get a compressed carry-on beam. Head thingies. Yes. Head blinkies. I believe those are the technical terms. Head Medical head thingies. Tim says, quite a shocker the beginning is. Uh, Tim, I appreciate the pun. Well, if you thought that was a shock. So this, what I like about this moment here, not only does it look like um, Picard is talking to the prophets, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think they're Um, about to exist, or they just barely existed, but we don't know about it yet, or something. Right, right, right. We're pretty... It's pretty on par. Maybe they recycle the same effects. But um, this plays into some accused role as this quasi godlike figure. And to me, this kind of this feels a little bit more um, the original series. This all. Yeah, this all. This is how this uh, show started. Oh, tell me more. No, this this totally started as a pitch. Someone said, uh. Picard wakes up and he's in the afterlife with Q. That was the entire origin of this story. Nobody said, hey, let's do a Star Trek take on It's a Wonderful Life. That's not how it began. That's, you know. Oh, this is cool. I've never seen this before. Uh, hey, shout out to Jimmy here uh, saying I love the psych show. Jimmy, good mm-hmm. to see you. Thanks for uh, everything you do as a school counselor. Oh, very nice. Uh, Larry, <clears throat> let's talk about this intro sequence right here. Um, when did they refilm the model that they used for the uh, for the intro? Because I know at some point the detail in the Enterprise. It started with when they they did a redo for third season. That's when they instead of going from outside to Earth, they go from Earth. Anyway, they flipped the approach in the solar system and they used the. Well, the third season they had the new Enterprise model that was smaller but more detailed, and it wasn't the right. big floppy one that separated, but it was a bitch to to deal with as on the filming stand because this was all yeah. pre CGI, obviously, kids. And then there's that one season where it goes Star Trek The Next Generation and it's really impactful. Like it's it has that 3D kind of effect. It's like someone got the new version of Microsoft Office and they used all the fancy clip art. (laughs) Oh, that one. (laughs) And I'm not. <laughs> I, I love that the inept administrations of well Q Dr. and his Dr. adjectives you can sling five sure. people down by uh, one sentence is done I refuse to believe the afterlife is run by you. The universe is not so badly designed. What a line. Like, this person is telling you you're dead, and you are now at sort of uh, his disposal, but Picard is still (laughs) adamant about this. It's his dad! So this is a big deal. We're we're seeing his dad for the first time. Mm -hmm. First and only time. 
and this is also flushing out some of his backstory that his dad Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily supportive well we heard all this in family in the third in the beginning of the fourth season but this is fleshing it out in his face yeah this is the a beautiful life kind of aspect too so larry help me understand this a little bit um so in Generations, we hear about the Picards that settled on Mars and the Picards that were explorers. So some part of his family has spent a lot of time in space, but right. some part of his family really just wants to make wine. Well, it's figured. Well, yeah. Well, he's it's he says he's the last of his line. So it really is he and his brother and then his wife and his nephew and they're dead now. So, right, the big Picard family that he gets into, he talks about in different places and is alluded to in his family scrapbook, which you don't see. It's not a big story point, but it's in generations. The Picards were much, much bigger impact on society. Yeah. So, um, Charlotte's saying Picard's showing denial here. It's, he's definitely, um, going through some of this grief, right? What's happened to me and, and denial can be one way that that plays out. Larry, do you think he's dead? Or is Q just trying to teach him a lesson now? No, this is a Q. This is a Q illusion. Well, well, I haven't thought about this in a long time. He's got the He's got the real world, the prime timeline, actual reality heart issue going on. Yeah. But you don't know that maybe it's does we'll see at the end. Does Beverly hop back and go, wow, that was a miracle? Or is it like everything they are capable of doing saved him and this is just a sidebar? Like was it really uh, Q that cured him at the end? I'm 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 saying that, I'm going out on a limb here. But because everything else is fine for it for me to have it be a Q illusion the way he does every time. Anytime they yeah. pop off for a Q thing and come back, is that it's not real. Yeah, I I think I think he's saved by modern medicine. Oh, here we go. Stunt double. Once again, Picard had hair. So that cadet, cadet does not look like Tom Hardy to me. Tom Hardy <laughs> does not look like Tom Hardy. <laughs> and boom. There's the iconic. Have you ever seen anyone uh, cosplay as a... Uh... Yes. Stabbed in the back. I know. Somewhere in the last fifteen years, I've seen yeah. people cosplay as Picard with. And what's cool I mean, is they didn't need a bald cap. Okay, <laughs> bald cap, I should say. So Samaritan snares were the whole thing about him having an artificial heart uh, originated. Little piece. Uh, Linda's asking, "Can someone tell me where we are?" Linda, right now we are at um, uh, a. About uh, 7.59. I'm reading 37 and 10 seconds left. Right. Same place. Wow, we're together. So this is his one regret. His one regret is is he's got this fake heart. Um, He doesn't regret all the people who've died under his command. He knows that that's part of Starfleet. That comes along Mm -hmm. with being captain. Mm -hmm. But he regrets this idea of being young and cocky and making this brash decision. Somewhere along the way, it struck me how Picard and Kirk were exactly opposite. I think I mentioned this before. Uh, Kirk was says he was a stack of books with legs and yeah. seems to have loosened up later. And Picard starts off as the wild guy and tightens up. You know, it's like... When, when does uh, Kirk say that, that he was sort of this uh, bookworm? Something about says something about Grimm. Why well, I was absolutely a I was a stack of books with legs or something like that. Uh, we've got a somebody question. From somebody Dan- will pop it in here. Daniel has a question. Was there any blowback from the network on the stabbing? I don't think so. Well, there was no network. Yeah, it was syndicated. It was syndicated. They had the freedom to do it. No. And Marta Botanides pops back up again as a friend of uh, Rios's captain. I've forgotten the link exactly. But I about fell off my chair when they mentioned her. Scott says, uh, yeah, back in the day when this aired, I was amazed by the continuer- uh, the continuity, continuity, I'm sorry, with uh, Samaritan Snare. That was rare for Trek TV back then. Especially to bridge the 
they weren't really good about the second to third season break. There was a lot of uh, corporate memory break between pre and post pillar. But Ron, this is Ron's behind this show, I think. So that figures. He was a fanboy. So um, I think we see. So uh, Tim is commenting on seeing Picard in the um, the motion picture era uh, costume. I think um, we see Kirk in that costume. We see Picard. I think we see. I think we see. Do we see Janeway in that uniform in a flashback? I think we might. Or does she keep her own? She's a part of the memory. Two. Tuvok is in the uniform, but not Janeway because she wasn't really there. I think at one point she wears it. Um, I, I'm gonna say that it's hard for them not to have gotten everybody into it, but yeah, I don't think Cisco I don't. I don't think Cisco gets into it. He gets into the TOS era costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I always love this motion picture era costume. I think it's. Um, I think it's the best uniform they've done. It, it well, feels the most naval. Watch how you say motion picture, because I think of motion picture, I think of the motion right, picture. Right, right. No, I mean Wrath of Khan era. You're right, you're right. The marching maroons, yeah. Yeah. The monster maroons, I should say. Not the pajamas from motion picture. <laughs> no. I always loved how they called the original series uniforms pajamas, and I'm like, oh, yeah? I'll, motion picture says, you know, hold my nighttime Anadel milk. Okay. So I love that Picard is still concerned about this greater good, about uh, messing with the timeline. Mm-hmm. And Q's got his uh, swagger stick from <laughs> from first season. What was that, Q? Yeah. Right. Mon Capitan. There you go. See? In my little... (laughs) My little machismo. So, any, um... Any behind-the-scenes details on these sets? Well, this is supposed to be his cadet uh, room... I was just thinking about a couple of things I hadn't thought of in a long time because I always um, I want to I want to check this before I say it because I always think of the first duty as the first time we see a uh, this is getting anal a Starfleet Academy dorm room. Yeah, I all those times we've uh, we've been. At Starfleet Academy, I don't think we've actually seen anyone's room. Yeah, it was. It was. First Duty is fifth season. I was confused fifth or sixth. Oh. So, yeah, First Duty was still the first time. Okay. This is a redo. Yeah. Trek on the Tube says Mon Capitan is neither French nor Spanish. Yeah, it's Q. <laughs> Uh, welcome to uh, Fred Erica twenty seven. Thanks for joining us here. Or Frederica, yeah. And Lilypud, Lilypad, Lilypud. Okay, right below. I have that. So uh, this is great here to see Picard starting to smile right now. And mm-hmm. reminiscing about how he got caught. Oh, the ca- academy did. Yeah. Making these double dates. He was a wild man. See? So, um, just a little fun tidbit about how memory works. In case you might be wondering, well, how does he remember these details? It's been decades since this moment. Uh, our recall is highly influenced by uh, what's around us and the details around us. And sometimes when all the details align up, we can remember details that we wouldn't otherwise be able to. So it's kind of like a, when you're trying to remember a song, 
if you're just trying to remember the lyrics on its own, it it's hard. But once you start to hear the music, you can re- all the lyrics can sort of flood back into your memory. I think the same uh, back into your awareness. The same thing is probably happening with Picard. He's back in the space. All these details are 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 uh, coming back to him. Much like for any of us, if we were visiting a place we haven't been to in a long time, we'd start to remember all these details. And apparently olfactory smells are bringing it back, too. Olfactory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olfactory, the the technical name for smell. Opposed to new factory, yeah. Easy way to remember that. Uh, I always teach my intra-psych students this. Old factories smell bad. That's how you remember what olfactory means. And water to the face. (laughs) Always an easily filmed, you know. It's very splashy. So he's on fire this episode. Penny for your thoughts. So Picard is really he's approaching the same decisions as the way um, an older Picard does. How old is how old do you think Picard is at this point in the timeline? Um, both in the Academy as well as oh, future Picard. Well, he's he's twenty two. He's he's a 20- if he's a graduating cadet on schedule. He's twenty two ish. So he's 22 Academy days, and how old is... Look at that. Ant, did you see that? Ant, an Antican and a Seelay, and a Tailhead, who never got a name unless they've named him in the game by now, in, T- in uh, STO by now. You know, the way Discovery's been going, we might be seeing some of these uh, folks again. Um, some of these alien races, I should say. How old is present-day Picard, Larry, do you think? He's in his 40s, 50s. You know, if you're going to prep me on these things off the top of your head, <laughs> Picard is older than Patrick is. Yes. He's 80-something, isn't he? He's like 10 I, or 12 years older than real Patrick, and real Patrick was 79 or 80. So, And at the time of this filming, which was the early 90s. This is 93. Is, so that's, let's see if we can do math late, live late on 92, air right now. 92, early 93, yes. So. Oh, here's your line. Play Dom John Human. <laughs> so he, this is about 30 years ago. So Picard's middle age, let's say, at this mm-hmm. point. So imagine revisiting decisions you made three, four decades ago. You would approach them so differently. Like we... Here's Picard making his uh, his Empress Giorgio the second. Yes, somebody Which mentioned an... Terra Firma Irma on early on. Yeah, that was another reason why we wanted to revisit this episode. Um, Discovery just kind of redid it. <laughs> yeah, people were so excited to be back in the Terran Empire, and it's like, but it's not real. So. <laughs> A few things about aging. In general, most people, as they get older, they get better at dealing with their emotions. Their emotions are less intense. They've also learned more ways to deal with them. So it makes sense that if a middle-aged Picard was going back to 21, 22-year-old and trying to make those same decisions, he's approaching them completely differently. Like the, the accelerator on his emotions doesn't really work as quickly and the brakes work much better. So it it would be a very different experience just emotionally living your day-to-day life. Oh my gosh, yeah, cuz you could double yeah, you double think everything. Are you you just yeah, you would want to change half of what you did. Oh yeah. Just just of the benefit of years and wisdom. Yeah, I think back to a lot of decisions I made in my late teenage years, early 20s and uh Sometimes you're like, why did I even do that? Um, why did I even say that? Something else that's at play here is your frontal lobe, which is, uh, this area of your, of your brain right over here. Um, it's largely responsible for planning for the future, for controlling your emotions. It doesn't finish developing until your mid twenties. So, uh, Picard is coming back to this time with a very different brain than he had at, um, mm-hmm. in his early twenties. 
Oh, and there's a predator. I mean, Nausicaan. <laughs> here's a here is a K three for you. There's there's a couple of Nausicans here. So the tall one is Tom Morga, who has been like a stuntman forever, and did the the uh, monster that Kirk fought in Star Trek Six, a million other mm. things. And uh, it's either this scene or the scene where there's the full blown scene where there's two Nausicans. Uh They do they redo it later. And the other second, the second uh, Nausicaan, the shorter one is Nick Dimitri, who was the bandito in A Fistful of Datas. He was the oh! cab, he was the cab driver in Emergence. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a great little tidbit. It's it's also nice to see Starfleet officers being so human and and kind of petty and taking it personally. <laughs> wait, wait, this is so un Star Trek. Gene would never have allowed actually this is <laughs> this is Ron and yeah, pushing it. They're cadets, they're allowed to be, you know. You say they're Oh, excuse me. They're not cadets, we're, they're officers. They're officers now, Larry. Uh it's <laughs> It's, it's so like, refreshing. It's once... like 18 year olds in high school going, we're adults now. Yeah. <laughs> we're not students. We're not kids. I, I mean, this is really before DS9 is taken off and become its own thing. Mm -hmm. DS9 is really just coming online right now. So to see humans act in this, to see humans act so human in the next generation is so refreshing. <laughs> to see them act so young and reckless and their kids. Nathaniel says, considering all the neurological development that occurs, wouldn't it have been presumptuous um, to say that pre-adolescent Picard might command a ship in Rascals? Um, I love Rascals, says Anne-Marie. Uh, it makes me think of, um, what's the Red Squad uh, episode in Deep Space Nine? Valiant? Right. It makes me think of Valiant and why that's such a horrible idea to put... Um, a bunch it's, of folks who That's the whole point. It wasn't Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> John <laughs> It gets me every time. Um he's he's so teasing him throughout this episode so much. Mm -hmm. Um now, is it? It's this the whole di this whole Q dynamic where Q starts off as this super villain, you know, super threat, and yeah. then they soften him up, and then he's not he's human for a while, and then he comes back, and then he just turns into the jester, and then they go back to you know, then there's the ominous, you know, it's a thing they played with all back and forth, all all you know, too too well, and Delancey handles it all, but. So I'm going to ask you a, a Picard Q question, Larry, that is impossible to answer, but I'm still going to ask, ask it. Of course. Because, uh, it's <laughs> because it's a Q. Yeah, it's Q related. Is he teasing or is he bullying Picard? Um, I think that's that's something that comes up a lot in fandom is teasing and bullying. Um, what are we seeing happen here? Ali? Does this come up in 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 uh, psychotherapy and in therapy debates? Is it teasing or is it bullying when you probe and push a patient? This comes up all the time. Um, this this Doctor, comes up all heal the thyself. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, I see or, what you did there. Or the old uh, the, you, with a with a little Q whip, you gotta turn it around. Um, you know, teasing is so a part um, in different cultures about how we, um, especially uh, boys and men, how they they show affection for each other. But mm -hmm. it can be very hard to know when does that become bullying and when does that become malicious? When is it less showing affection and when is it more aggression and when is it um, uh, really meant to hurt? hurt you and i think that's the question of q is how much is he trying to help picard because by the time we get to all good things 
he's not only trying to help Picard, but also humanity. Um, or he started the whole thing and, you know, he was just having a bunch of fun. But I, I think I never thought about this before until we we're watching this now, but I think Q brings up this idea of teasing versus bullying. And I, I don't know if there's a right answer here. Well, he's a super alien who doesn't ever finish him off. So, I don't know. Um, I'm getting lots of folks are asking about uh, this jacket um, as Anne-Marie did. This is from Hero Within. Um, it's it's very lovely. It's got a little uh, Starfleet badge over here. Um, I've got oh. a... Uh, there's a beautiful uh This is from the Batu universe. Lining. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not canon, but it's close <laughs> to it. So check out Hero Within, um, a good friend of mine, uh, runs that company, Tony Kim. Uh, really good people, good stuff out there. And you can they, it comes with every captain here. Sir. Okay, what? <laughs> okay, and 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 uh, now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> so this is this is you know you you see the Trapunto collars in the actual original movies, and then a lot of times you'd see them wearing these. Like the C, the Enterprise C crew, and other one-off times didn't have anything. Uh, uh, didn't have any kind of undershirt oh, under the right. marching maroon. Right. So the monster maroon, and this is a this is a one off time when they tried to use, uh, and they're using colored t shirts. He's got white, and she's got a blue gray, and kind of getting back to the originals. Did they, Larry? You think they did? In the prime, what? in the prime timeline. What the two of them? Yeah. Well, they, that's the whole point. They didn't. You mean they, later so they never after, did. What? But, but like actual Picard. Bef- no, I'm saying he's revisiting the, the regret that they didn't. Right. And then when he does, it messes everything up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. I forgot. I forgot what's just about to happen. Thank you, Larry. Are you sure when you keep saying tapestry, you're not referring to, I don't know, Aquiel or something? Are you? <laughs> I forgot. It's been a while since I've seen this episode. This is the whole, yeah. Oh, so spo- spoilers, everybody. <laughs> no, oh, look, it's a shirt on the floor. I'll see your Kirk putting on his boots. <laughs> and raise you a couple. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot this is this is was our promotional image yeah, right yeah. over here. I forgot this happens. Yes, thank you. The nature magnifying art there at the head of the bed. Morning. <laughs> I don't Notice how I never thought about this. The the conscious decision when when Q is wearing a Starfleet uniform, he always oh, has right. captains. He doesn't ever have like admirals pips or go blank. Well, that's the thing is he he's has, got this fascination with Captain Picard and Captain Janeway, and later a little bit Captain uh, or Commander well, Cisco until he gets punched Cisco, in the fish. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't. I don't know why Q has this fascination with humans and in particular captains. Oh, when we have a break, I just, I came into a cache of notes that, uh, from the companion and some things that didn't make it into the companion from this. This is as good of a chance as any. There's no commercial breaks. So the actual, the actual premise for this was a premise that Ron had called a Q, he just called it a Q Carol and it was very Christmassy. Mm. And uh, the original thing was they go back to France and they have a scene with his father and his mother and his brother as kids. And then the Nausicaan scene and then a Stargazer scene, maybe with Jack Crusher. That was the original idea. Oh, interesting. And maybe it was even the Jack Crusher death scene. But it didn't it didn't. They thought it was just too all over the place and too many sets and changes. And they just wanted to focus. They so they decided just to focus on one incident. So they focused on the. Um, on this, on the stabbing in his artificial heart. So, 
I, I forgot that this happens, um, cause I'm so focused on the Nausicans and the big, the big change that happens, but. Tapestry. Um, it's more than the Nausicans. <laughs> I have to tell the psychologist that. Okay. Um, well, when it comes to the canon, Larry, you're, you're often my, uh, canon therapist here. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of people who um who think back about past relationships that yeah. could have been or or weren't um and we have a lot of regret regret and we we churn about what if i had done this now this whole episode is very much about not getting stabbed in the back but it's also about this moment about this regret he has and it, it one of the reasons why regret can be so futile mm-hmm. is we have no idea how those things would have played out. Right, right. And that happens all the time with relationships. And that's why this kind of the fantasy is always so attractive as a story device. Right. I mean, to, to be able to go back and redo our past. Yeah, there's and, this concept um, called affective forecasting, which means um, predicting how we're going to feel in the future. And we do it all the time. Like, if only I had this, I would feel so much better. If only I am able to do that, my life is going to be great. I'm going to be so happy. And like decades of research has shown we're horrible at predicting how we're going to be, how we're going to feel in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, We just don't know what those circumstances are going to be like. And similarly, we don't, we can't do time travel. But if we had the ability to go back into the past and change our decisions, we have no idea how that would impact the way we feel or how other people fear. Oh, man. Oh. He is so alienated now. His closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here they come. So the tall one is Tom Morga, and the secondary one is uh, Nick Dimitri. Hmm. The lit up air filter on your... Give you a bigger stick. <laughs> Larry, I gotta say, Star Trek bars, they Nuskin. really look like a pretty horrible place. Well, you can't be a bar unless you've got that open kind of circular grid. It's in Quarks, it's in the bar on Quailer 2, it's in, I think it's in this. Yeah, besides Quarks, I, I don't think we've seen a decent bar in Star Trek. Well, not in, uh, I don't know if you want to. Well, they're the the old the quaint old bars on Earth, the Archer like the six hundred two. Oh yeah, in, the Earthbound ones are 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 are, are pretty earthy. Good. Okay. Yeah. But these slimy alien bars are like yeah. I was I was like really cold at the beginning, but now I've got like a ton of 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 K three factor stuff to throw at you. When yeah, I'm... it's all. Yeah, this is the recognition effect going on in your memory. All these uh, memories are being triggered here. No, it's just called. I finally got my notes file open. That's There's right. that too. A nice little memory aid. <laughs> oh, Scott <laughs> says ten forward looks lovely. Um, ten forward looks fine. It doesn't quite look like the kind well, of place star- where it's a Starfleet. It's Starfleet architecture adapted, so that's... Yeah. All right, now, when I first saw this episode and I saw this moment, I was like, what is happening? The blue shirt. How many people do you think Starfleet assigns to deliver pads? This seems like a... A huge part of the workforce. Larry. This is this is what I've noticed in modern era Star Trek and the Kelvin movies and in in Lower Decks and uh, Lower and no one ever uses combat and Picard and well they do in Picard, but in Discovery and in Lower Decks everybody runs everywhere and delivers messages. It's like they forget and they call <laughs> externally, but they forget they have an intraship comm system. Yeah, yeah, I um I've noticed that they you know in the Kelvin universe they don't just walk there they run there. Now, he was taking something to Jordy. There was a cut scene where they wrote a scene oh. with him going to engineering. Star Trek, I think, has it's nailed a lot of technology and inspired a lot of future technology. But some of the 
communication stuff here, like email doesn't really happen. And I, the thing with com badges in TNG that I never really liked is it always seems like an open communication that everyone can hear. Whereas in TOS, at least with the old style communicators, you have to, you train your fingertip. You have smart computers and really adept fingertip control. When you hit that badge, it's like just (laughs) (laughs) the the degree of uh... ears only. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Blue shirts, blue shirts. Wow, Lieutenant Junior Grade. His his career really hasn't. Uh... But he's still higher than Harry Kim. All right, so here we got the 10 forward bar. So, Scott, here's the thing with this. This looks fine. It kind of has the vibe of a um, airport hotel bar. That's mm-hmm. what it kind of feels like to me. <laughs> it's fine. But there's no um, the trouble with Tribble style brawl that's going to erupt here. <laughs> All right. This is Deanna Troy doing a very much military psychologist thing. A lot of military psychologists are also in the position of uh, a human resources performance evaluation type of role. And mm-hmm. it's wonderful to see her actually doing a performance review with Riker. I, I, I think this is very realistic here. Like it came, it got, it became a kind of a token thing between them. Like if they're in a scene, they go, well, I got to go do some more performance reports or whatever. But it was good. Yeah, better than I'm going to go off and play some jazz. Or something. <laughs> do they have actual jobs? Scott saying um, 10 forward is a lounge and that's a bit more of his speed. I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, I think this would be a great place to have a root beer. Because hopeful Star Trek, hopeful Federal, hopeful Starfleet is just a mirage for you, Bucko. Okay, I was curious, I was trying to remember who. So Les Landau directed this. He started as a first AD and then was one of the top three or four directors for Next Gen and all of the Berman era. So Picard had these big goals, never really put in what it takes to to follow that up. This is also one of the rare times where we get to see a lower decker before we have lower decks, the episode or the show. Yeah, exactly. And they're and the two of them are in their personas they had. Riker and Troy are like in their lower decker persona that you see again. Yes. Yes. We we see Barkley as a as a character that is struggling, but Barkley is also sometimes it, there's some aspects of like anxiety that I, I love in Barkley, but there's some aspects that are a bit more just comedic, and he's a bit more of a like a a court jester that people make fun of. This feels very real to me. Um, there's definitely times in my life where I've felt more like this version of Picard. <laughs> Always st- stand in front of an elevator door talking about something before you. Leave. I know, yeah, yeah. With a pad up in the middle of the doorway. Yeah, that's what that's what everyone does. Or a tedious man in a jury job. <laughs> and we're back to the afterlife here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think many of us feel that way, uh, that we're in a, a tedious job where we might feel bereft of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just watched um, Pixar's uh, Soul this weekend, and um, there's a very similar theme there in, in that film. Um and I think there's reasons why these these episodes, these types of stories, keep playing out over and over. Is they're they're tapping into something that we we all experience. They're tapping into this as uh, as uh, Carl Jung would say, this uh, larger tapestry of stories, these universal tapestry of stories. Remind me before we end, and I'll read you uh, Michael Pillar's comments about this show. 
when we have a long break. Q, so Q's outline. Now I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna outline the biggest your greatest why I hits. Love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Let me. <laughs> yeah. Like, Larry knows you so well. Where you throw in the unknown with the known, even in here. <laughs> you saved the Milica Three <laughs> Ambassador, and then you took charge on the Stargazer Bridge. It's like, oh, so we equalize that with that. And <laughs> has anyone ever told the Milica Three story? No. What's going on, real world? So, oh yes, we're afraid. <laughs> so this this is why I love this episode so much. Um, what we see here is what um, what could have been if mm-hmm. Picard didn't experience that traumatic event. Now, I want to be very clear here. I'm not saying that trauma is ever a good thing, but for some people who experience trauma, it leads to something called post traumatic growth. And that's what we see has happened to Picard. That Picard's brush with death changed the way he sees life, changed the way he lives life, changed mm-hmm. his priorities. And it wasn't an immediate thing, probably. It was probably something he struggled with as he was recovering from all of this. Um, so that's one thing that, that really sticks out to me now as a psychologist is this is a beautiful episode about post-traumatic growth. How and bar fights. Oh no. And bar fights. <laughs> For some people, they, their relationships change. They have an increased sense of strength. They appreciate life more. Their beliefs change. Um, and all of this can happen while you might be in the pain of a trauma and also growing. Those things can happen at the same time. Now, Here's a K3. You would think that a moment like this would be a big focus, right? They'd have a set photographer there to take special pic. Nothing. For years and years and years, we had to do crappy frame grabs of that moment. Hmm. Because there, I mean, it's, it's, I know that's totally on the side, but. Here's the reveal. Did he ever really die? Was it always in their hands to bring? Did it all happen in a. In a blink of a Q In a Q wave. flash. That's called yeah, a, a Q flash. Yeah. Um, that's what visual effects called it. And then, okay, now we need a Q flash. Um, but the point is, it's not like Q, people think Q brought him back from death and saved him. I think it was, it was going to happen all along. It's just that his mind went there and. Oh, what a beautiful ship. I love these uh, shots of the Enterprise D. And reflections uh, in the black observation lounge window. Oh, yeah. It's so beautifully shot. Polish, polish, polish. Now, here's the thing you forget a lot. Here's Picard confiding in Riker what he just experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Riker's yeah. Training. You'd think Troy would be sitting there. Mm-hmm. But I, so here's one thing I want to say also this is about post guy scene is what this is. One of the things about um, post-traumatic growth that seems to be really critical to helping... Oh, here's a line. Loose threads. <laughs> it unraveled the tapestry of my life. Life. Ah. Mwah. Beautiful writing. Beautiful writing. Um, Ron still appreciates your comment. Thank you, I'm sure. <laughs> but the, the thing I, I, I love about this um, this moment right here is what seems to be really important to mm-hmm. growth, is, to post-traumatic growth, is processing it. Mm-hmm. That means talking to other people about it, writing about it, um, sometimes therapy related to these experiences, but continuing to revisit them getting new perspectives, working through them. And that's what he's doing with Riker. Brandon Brock is uh, story editor. Tell, so tell, the story. The boys are all boys still. Larry, you wanted to tell me, was it Rick Berman or Michael Pillars? Well, Michael Pillars, especially since he's no longer with us. And he's probably said this, they probably have interviews saying this kind of thing, but he... Um, He's just, I have some comments here from him to me when we were doing yeah. stuff. Uh, 
they filmed this about Christmas time, and he wasn't happy. He thought a lot of the performances were flat because people were tired right before the holiday. Huh. Uh, but they all – he just thought it was a slow show, and Patrick was tired. And uh, But he says, but everybody loves it. And he wasn't happy with some of the casting, but he's thrilled that everybody loves it, and he liked the idea, and he's just talking about the ultimate um, – the, the thing, the output. Um, yeah, I, I don't see those things at all, and maybe – Maybe if I was on the set and looking at all the takes, maybe I, I would feel that way. Um, but him always being, he was always good to be super critical about things. <laughs> Linda says, um, "Double fist axe, the uh, the great yeah. Starfleet maneuver." <laughs> I don't know how that. I mean, that was a TOS thing that that carries through all the way. At the, I think until we see the standard time. We call it an SSM, a star, standard Starfleet maneuver. Yeah. I'm going to apologize, everybody. I haven't, I, we're going to, I know we're going to wrap up a little, uh, much sooner than we normally do here on today. We've, uh, we we all have tight schedules on this end, but I, I'm apologizing for not having been up on the chat very much. I've been scanning my notes and things to throw at everybody because, um, because that's what we're doing here. And I just wanted to, there was one moment, now I can't do this, but because you were in the middle of something, I didn't want to interrupt you. Mm. But there's one moment when the three of them are in the bar, the three cadets are in the bar, and there's an alien goes by that you see a lot on DS9. It's kind mm. of a greenish brown and it has a lot of uh, kind of a bubbly headed top, um, uh, head, I mean. And they didn't, it was never named on screen, it was never named in canon, but they, on, on DS9, they call it, started calling it a Rotsiv because the the extra who always wore that outfit and that headpiece, his name was Victor Sign, uh, S-E-I-N. And so they started calling that alien head. And then eventually when other people wore it, they called it a Rotsiv, which was Victor spelled backwards. That was a that oh, was a nice. West, that was I a like Westport. Uh, yeah, a dumb little goofy thing. Um, the other thing was there were some cut scenes. I told you about the, the Geordi, right? Uh, yeah, he's not even in this episode. He has that oh. one voiceover. He has that one line on the on the on the radio on the comm right. line. Uh, there were some lines that were cut for time. One of them where someone says that a third of incoming academy freshmen uh, wash out and don't make it all the way through to graduation. Like it's hmm. tough. Um, Picard. How many, wait, say that again. A third. Somebody says that a third of incoming academy freshmen don't make wow. it to the end. Wow. So it's it's tough. It's tough, guys. Yeah. Um, that Picard's superintendent was named Admiral Salona, which may have been the Betazoid he once mentioned, like it was a throwback, mm -hmm. and that they were there's some reference to a Scobie Hall, which is a reference to Dick Scobie, who was the captain of the Challenger shuttle oh. that, that died. Uh, these are all cut lines though, and cut scenes. And uh, but you did hear Doctor Salar at the beginning. I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, Susie Plaxon's only one time, but many times um, mentioned things. And Penny, his older his older date that he'd gone out with and probably done more with at the beginning that throws water on him was named for an older woman that Ron had dated once. <laughs> Ron Moore. So anyway, it's, I love people when they pull names and things out of their back pocket there. Um, uh, it's it, It's been a lot of fun to see the, the comments um, on this episode. One comment I want to ask you, Larry, um, as we kind of start to wrap up, the, this episode, that's a very interesting question. Can our lives revolve around one decision? From, yeah. Uh, Daniel's asking that one. The clear answer for me is absolutely yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Especially if it's a bad decision. I, <laughs> I think, and, and if it's a good one. I think both, good, both ways. Right. right and, right. um, and, uh, we had a comment here. Oh gosh, I'm going to try to pull it up. Um, yeah, Linda says, um, be proud of your past mistakes and all is made you who you are or made you what you are today. And I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, very small decisions like where my locker was my freshman year of high school led me to meet the person who eventually became my wife. Um, wow. That, okay. that was a random, like, thing. And I, I've made a ton of mistakes in my past. Um, I was not a good high school student at all, nearly failed. And a lot of those decisions led me to discover psychology, which led me here. Things don't make sense when you're in the middle of them. They can make sense in retrospect. But we never see 
how all of these decisions are tied to that larger tapestry of our lives. We just have to make the best decisions we can given the situations we're in and what we value and and then learn from those experiences. And as long as we're learning from them, they're not failures. We're 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 growing. Absolutely. You know, it just it struck me too. We talk about that tug on the thread of your tapestry, you know. It's like that's a physicality. Like you pull a of th- you physically literally pull a thread out of a tapestry, out of a piece of clothing or a fabric and it can start unraveling and fall yes. apart. And and Q's little, you know, Q-scapades here are Q-scapades. I don't know, I just made that up. I like that. Uh, no, I like it. Um okay, hashtag uh trademark. Uh <laughs> it's like that's it's like the metaphor is pulling a thread from a tapestry and watching it unravel, but Q is embodying, he's making it whole even though it goes away in a flash he's making it whole but we do that to ourselves we may not physically get a time travel trip to do that but when we ruminate you were talking about we if we watch out if we don't watch out and we regret we let our regrets take over or replay you know sometimes we replay a moment a day or two ago you know or something we did just recently oh i wish i'd done that better it could have been with work it could have been with a significant other it could have been with our 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 very significant other, um, or kids, or anything, or a choice we made. And, you know, maybe we do it and then we go on. But if it's something that sticks with us for a long time and we're still going back to something, like the big regrets of yes. your life, yeah. and we ruminate too much, it's like, it's almost like, no, you don't physically pull a thread out of a, uh, out of a, out of a tapestry. You don't physically have Q or a time machine to take you back and physically, play out the what would have happened it's almost like that would be a relief i mean to say in in, a, in contrast to just keeping if you really something you ruminate over and you dwell on and it's been years you know and it's holding that's holding you back and yeah. you're so taken up with that regret it's almost like going back it's almost like a relief is what i'm trying to say picard actually it's not like this re, you know regret about the way he handled the stabbing and and then the dominoes falling, whether he would have slept with uh, Marta or not, kind of a thing. It's like he had the luxury of living it out, even though it was painful and discomforting, yeah. and he didn't know where the hell he, you know, where this was leading to. It was almost like a relief that he got to do it and go, oh, you know what? If I ever start to regret any of these things, I'm going to shut up because I can see what would have happened. Well, that and, and that's and, why and that in life, and in real life, if we don't get some distance to ourselves, we'll sit and ruminate on those things. To our detriment, and sometimes, and they will affect our behavior. Where, again, he he was a bold captain and, and advanced up the ladder and took chances, and he had been cowed from that by this one moment. And this this brings it all full circle. If we for can't me, if we can't learn from that, the worst thing to do is sit and replay it, replay it with no yes. Resolution. I one hundred percent agree with you, and this brings it full circle for me. This is why this episode means so much to me. Is when I was in those moments in my life. I think about this this experience that Picard went through because this is a bit of a gift that Q gives him that like you don't have to regret this anymore. You've seen how this has played out. You've seen how this is a part of your larger tapestry of your life. Um, please forgive yourself and move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the times in my life where I've I've gotten stuck with that kind of regret. I just think back to this moment and think about. Well, how is this going to be a larger part of my life? How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I use this to make myself better? This bad mistake I've, I've made. So I, um, um, I love it. I love this episode for that reason. Um, so the, so the sequel to the show would be called, um, it's a wonderful life again. Uh, um, tapestry two would be where Q never interfered at this moment. Beverly does restart his mm. heart and cures his issue, and he comes away from it still regretting. He's still regretting the fi- the fact that he's come to he's a captain, but he comes to the point where he realizes he had a near death experience without Q's benefit of the of the insight of reliving it all. So yeah. suddenly, at this advanced age, he starts regretting the Domjot fight even more than he ever did before. Well, and, and and then we watch the, the the history diverge as everything he did going on to be admiral 
and all the big things he did through the movies and First Contact and defeating the Borg Queen and Insurrection, and now how he handles himself through Picard and dealing with this, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. And it's it turns it's like his career fizzles when he's. <laughs> I, I, I have to Anyone interrupt here, Larry. Down. You know, and he doesn't Trek. have the stuff to rise above all these things he keeps rising above. Trek of the Tube says uh, it could be called uh, Tupestry and then uh, Tapest 3. And Anne-Marie says uh, Two Tapestry, Two Furious. And at the very end of it, at the very end of it, at the very end of uh, the Picard season, when he's he dies for real and they're like, look, we have this golem binded. But she's like, no, I'm tired. Don't do that. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, tired. and we we see Picard struggling with regret uh, in Star Trek Picard, so I, I think this is something Spoilers. that he he gravitates to. Yeah, I will say my my other favorite episode of Star Trek is In the Pale Moonlight, and it plays on very similar ideas as Tapestry, and maybe that's an episode we can revisit sometime in the future. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>